0: what's up guys my guest today is matt Siler. he's a three-time ceo of multi-billion dollar ad agencies and now as managing director and executive in residence at reigns international he's masterminding a new talent marketplace it's a digital exchange where business execs tease out their personal brand to companies in search of their next difference maker this is the best one yet let's flip headhunting on its head matt you've had this crazy career in media and creative and you've served as a three-time CEO for big name, Madison Avenue agencies, stuff you see in the movies. I want to learn how the industry shaped and morphed around you during your time as an advertising executive.
1: Once upon a time, as in when I graduated from college and for the next number of years, there was just the agency. It was Madison Avenue when we were the agency. Clients didn't have marketing departments. They certainly didn't have advertising departments. So you worked directly with the product people on the client side, and we were very much an extension of who they were. When one of them would move on or get promoted or rotate, One of us would go and sit in for them until the new person came. We would train the new people because we truly knew more about the client's business than the client did because we had continuity on it. We were paid the same as investment bankers are now. Then things changed in 1987, which was a really horrible economic downturn. Agencies, because they weren't getting paid enough, had to... Through a procurement-based model, they had to get into the business of anything else that a client spent money on. So they got into direct, out-of-home, cinema, newspaper, in-store packaging, whatever the spend was. And that got super complicated, and so they created parents for themselves, which is what the holding companies are. So WPP, IBG, Omnicom, Publicist Group, et cetera, they were all created the same way by the creative agencies to take care of this procurement-based model. Which, as I say, was the beginning of a very long time towards the end, which was not working on behalf of clients anymore, and instead working on behalf of shareholder, investor, et cetera.
0: So Matt, I'd like to know why companies decided to take the marketing machine in-house. Why did they decide that we're not going to work with the mad Men anymore? We're going to create our own storytelling division as part of our company. I'm a huge believer that one does what one's paid to do.
1: We used to be paid to manage our clients' business. Our our whole reason for being was their business success. From 1987 and for the next numbers of years, we got inwardly focused. It was not so much about our client success, it was about our own success. And then when we all went public. It became not just about our success but about again our shareholders success our investors success and we kept getting farther and farther removed from our clients business and we were really fractionalized, really siloed if you worked in direct marketing you're not thinking about procter and gamble's business you're thinking about direct marketing if you do digital you're not thinking about how to make the cash register ring you're thinking about how do i sell more digital And so at a certain point, it became very logical. The clients would say, well, they're no longer looking after my business. Somebody's got to look after my business. Somebody's got to have my total business in mind. So I will start going internal.
0: Matt, in 2014, in an interview, you mentioned how you used to be kind of gauged on how much of your client's money you were spending in these media ventures, in these advertising partnerships, but you emphasized the importance of results-driven compensation And kind of that's what should drive the interaction. How is that dynamic playing out, especially as advertising becomes more targeted and it's kind of easier to see the results that, you know, a certain project might deliver in the space?
1: So you look at what happened at the beginning of COVID. One of the holding companies on like the day the shutdown was announced, they laid off 2,000 people. Yeah, and then the other holding companies virtually all followed suit. And that was because they're paid the wrong way. they paid one of two ways. Way one is how much money can I convince you, client, to spend, and I get a commission based upon that? Or how many people does it take to manage your business, your client, your business? As you've already referenced, I've been a proponent of pay-for-performance compensation for ever and at ipg we had a very 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 successful run at it where roughly half of our clients in my group paid on a performance basis most importantly chrysler which became our largest and most profitable client
0: so tell me how you roped in chrysler as a client was it that you promised these performance driven numbers or was it because you went in there and and did something really unconventional how did that whole dynamic play out in that boardroom
1: we had we had no business pitching that business. Because we had no business pitching it, we were licensed to do whatever the hell we wanted because we, we didn't think it was likely we were going to win, so we were so bold. And we won the business in the pitch, which almost never happens. It was the most fun pitch I had worked on at the, to that point, and it may be still the most favorite because there is a, an old cartoon series that you will not have seen that's called Town Heroes. And it's a bunch of animated animals. And every episode, they uh, learn about somebody in Town who performs a service that's invaluable for the town. So they go, and they're with a nurse or with a firefighter or the librarian or whatever. And it has a jingle at the end, which is, um, and you can be a Town hero just like them. I thought that the strategy that they were employing on RAM was really much like... Higglytown Heroes, because it was the foundation of how the community worked. And so I thought, wow, that'd be really bold to present a marketing campaign around an American animated series to an Italian and French company with something as significant as a billion and a half dollar business. We opened up the meeting by playing Higglytown Heroes and reading from a hymnal. And then we showed them how we could take them from a number three to a number two share and do it for 20% fewer dollars than they were currently spending. And that is at the point that they said, well, if you could do that, you can have our business now. All of that's a very, very, very long-winded way of saying that what's gonna happen on the other side of this revolution, I believe, you will now see a lot more performance-based compensation. You'll now see a lot more measure of what did you actually do? So ROI is gonna become much more important.
0: So Matt, after this long career in media and creative and advertising, you're now in the executive search field. And to be honest, not too many young people have had their phone ring with a headhunter on the line, hooking them up with the top job at a a big company. So could you break down the dynamics of the industry and kind of the fresh perspective that you wanted to bring by by joining this new space?
1: So I saw executive search as a status quo that in itself needed to be reinvented. Executive search is great when you're the hiring organization because you've got professionals who have the ability to access the best talent for the specific need that you have. All good on that side for the most part. If you're a candidate, however, you're Michael, and you've done this phenomenal podcast, and everybody's looking for you all good, but it's not exactly what you want. You really want to go do something that nobody has knocked on your door for. Heretofore, there hasn't been anybody that you could reach out to and say, hey, I'd like some help. I would like to pay you to have you guide me. I'd like to have you open some doors for me. I didn't understand why agenting was reserved to celebrity. YouTubers have them. You keep doing well. You'll have an agent. But I thought that there was a need to bring that agenting to the business world. That I thought that the fact that headhunters only represented one half of the equation as in the hiring organization and not the individual was something that needed to be fixed. So I was working on the launch of my own business, which I colloquially referred to as CAA for the rest of us. And I met my now partner, Dan Smith, who had just bought Reigns International, which is a 51-year-old search firm. And after months of talking to each other about what each of us was thinking, we decided to do it together.
0: So this new marketplace you're starting, with each executive that enters into it, you help them find like this one term or phrase that really kind of encapsulates the unique energy and personality they bring to a business environment. You are the renovator as it appears on the website. And I think a great way to unpack this concept is for you to tell us why are you the renovator?
1: Most of the agencies or companies that I've run were not performing anywhere near up to their capacity. And I love that. So I like taking fixed th- broken things and fix them. And so I try to get companies up to their expected delivery or hopefully exceed that expectation. Once that's done, once they're humming along, I'm really not that interested. I'm not, I'm not your guy for maintenance. So I've done that with several agencies and a company or two. We have renovated eight houses. It's just in my DNA, so that's why I'm a renovator. So we work with people to help extract the word or phrase that best describes them, and then we design a logo that goes with it. Consider the difference between transformer, force of nature, BLT, as in the sandwich, 911, not as in the car, change agent. Yeah. There was a conversion this week of a CEO who was at a, at a company for a long time in the consumer package goods space, and he got bored, and he went off and did it and It only lasted a couple years, and then he did another one and another one and another one, and so four in a row, they were only about two years each. And he was feeling like kind of a failure, and the way that he told his story was that he kept having these, like, really short-term things. And in going through the process with him, what we got to was, actually, the reason why those have been so short-term is because you've led to brilliant exits. He did major turnarounds four times. He was thinking about them as what he had hoped for, which was a, a home where he would be for a long time. But instead, he had such phenomenal result that they ended up ending faster. So he's actually a transformer, so he's one of the ones got him thinking differently about how he, he transforms business.
0: So you work with your clients to tell their story, to give them this kind of emoji type phrase and picture to carry around with them in the marketplace, but let's talk about actually entering them in to this exchange.
1: What happens with the marketplace is again, it corrects that inequity where you only have the one side, which is the hiring organization. So we go down to the creation of the logo, and these are for uh, typically senior vice president and above within six verticals that are from private equity to healthcare to consumer tech. Um, but they go in in logo form for really three critical reasons. One, once you've redounded somebody to a word or phrase, It's most likely that they're going to be matched with an organization looking for that because you've simplified what their offer is without all the confusion of everything else that they've done. Two is it eliminates any unconscious bias because hiring organizations find matches without knowing that it's an African-American woman or a guy of a certain age or whatever until after they have seen that there's a great potential match for them. And then lastly, if you're already working for an organization and you don't want to telegraph to the world, that you're looking for your next thing, then you are completely masked. Nobody knows that it's you. So you don't have any fear of
0: discovery. So Matt, you've had some insane opportunities in your career. Why is what you're doing right now with the marketplace something, is it something that you feel like more personal ownership and passion for than some of the other stuff you've done in your career, especially because this is like a new space for you and you're bringing this fresh perspective to it?
1: I absolutely love this. I see a tremendous need in the marketplace for this. I love being able to take the work that I have done on brands and applying them to humans. I The feeling that one gets in working with somebody and taking them from kind of slumped-shouldered and feeling not great about their opportunities to people that are like, yeah, they'd be freaking lucky to have me because on this we have looked at employment as you go and you do a job for a long time and when you are no longer in that job there's a question mark what what happened there michael did they get tired of you did you get tired of them something happened like explain and if you think about how fractionalized everything else is become uber airbnb rent the runway auto leasing you know when when I'm done with my car, which is out there, which will be, you know, after a three-year lease period, nobody's gonna say, Matt, what happened? What happened to you in that station wagon? Did, did you not like it anymore? Did it not want to be with you? And we're like, no, it served its purpose. You you have somebody who's really good at turnaround. That's a different skill set from maintenance, which is a different skill set from growth. And there's a different player for each of that. So think about it again from a sports perspective. You know, you've got offense, so you've got defense, you've got different roles based upon what the need in the game is at that moment. And that's how employment needs to be considered.
0: A theme of this conversation I think is really applicable to young people is you're talking about this revolution we're living through right now and how there's actually so many different opportunities being created. Is your advice to young people to go out and like explore these various opportunities right now? Uh, what would you tell people my age who are just getting their start?
1: I only say I love talking to college kids. I love going to campuses. Really pay attention to what's going on now because there is so much opportunity. Note what is changed for now versus what's changed for good and recognize the opportunity and the change for good part. I mean, this this is this is your moment.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, that was Matt Siler. He's the mastermind of the brand new Reigns Talent Marketplace. You can check it out online. And if you ever thought business execs didn't have emojis, well, Now they do. This one was hype. I'll be with you guys tomorrow. Stay frosty.